Let's uh, revisit our top story. Today, of course, is the first day in our province where we won't criminally prosecute adults who are caught with less than two and a half grams of hard drugs, including heroin, cocaine, fentanyl, e- ecstasy, uh, morphine. BC will be the first jurisdiction in Canada to remove criminal penalties for possession. Many people across this country, across the world, actually, are watching this pilot project. Uh, since 2016, BC's declared a public health emergency. Nearly 11,000 residents have died of illicit drug deaths. Joining me now to talk about uh, decriminalization is Jennifer Whiteside. She's BC's Minister of Mental Health and Addictions. Minister, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you, Jazz. Happy to be here. Uh, it's a very uh, historic day as this province um, uh, begins a three-year journey with this pilot project. Is decriminalization enough in regards to tackling this big issue? Well, you know, Jazz, decriminalization really, it, it's one tool in the toolbox, and it has a very uh, specific purpose, uh, which is really around decriminalizing people who are uh, using drugs and who are carrying small amounts for, uh, for personal use. It really is about breaking down stigma and shame and the fear uh, associated with with using with using drugs. Now, some would argue, would it, would obviously agree with you, but would say, look, shouldn't the focus be on treatment? Why not focus on more rehab centers? A greater focus on yeah. more housing? Uh, they've argued that our neighbor uh, Alberta is focusing in that direction rather than focusing on decriminalization. What do you say to that argument? Well, you know, decriminalization is um, uh, really about decriminalizing the people who are using drugs, you know, many of whom uh, will have challenges with, uh, with, with substance use disorder that need to find a, a pathway to care and support. It's in response to a call that has been made by people with lived experience, from law, by law enforcement, uh, by public health. So we've had a wide range, a very diverse range of partners um, come together at a table to um, to sort of you know shepherd uh, our our application for the exemption um, to the to the federal government forward and who who will now of course continue to meet. So again, it's a, it is not a one thing or another on this uh, uh, in terms of how we respond to the toxic drug crisis. We have to do all the things. We have to continue the work that we've done, of course, to build out treatment spaces, to build out counseling. Um, to build those pathways in our healthcare system so that people can a- uh, can access care, care and supports, mm-hmm. and that is that's been a big focus of the five hundred million dollar investment that we made in budget twenty twenty one is you know working towards building out uh, those services. How many more treatment beds do you think this province will be able to open over the next couple of years, or at least even over the next three years, um, as this pilot project uh, we as we monitor this pilot project? How many more treatment beds do you see in the uh, upcoming? year or two? Well, you know, we, we have uh, we have just in excess of 3,200 um, beds providing a range of services in the province. You know, it, that, that includes uh, over 320 that we've added since 2017. You know, the health authorities are working hard with our um, with our many community partners who provide many of those services, as well as um, um, our sort of main partner, the Canadian Mental Health Association, which also um, provides those services. So we're looking to add beds all the time. Um, uh, Minister Dix just announced last week uh, the expansion of sobering beds on the North Island. Um, you know, we've opened sobering beds in Prince George. We're, so, you know, we have, you know, we have, we continue really every week to make announcements about new, uh, new and expanded uh, and expanded services. 
and and will continue to do that because that is such an important part of uh, an important part, a key pillar of um, how we are combating the, the toxic drug crisis. As many people would argue, you know, the 3,200 number and the 320 you've added, added is, is wonderful, but uh, there's a lot more needed. Is there any talk of adding more budget for you, for the health ministry as well, to add a significant, uh, significantly more treatment beds in the months and years ahead? Well, we, we know that we need, to, we need to be investing in all of the pillars that are supporting our approach. So the pillar that is related to, um, to community counselling services, for example, uh, child and youth mental health through uh, integrated child and youth teams, which are connected to schools, uh, to our foundry services. We have, uh, we have um, 13 foundries operating now. We, we will have 23 by the end of, by the end of next year. Those are very important services, and of course, yes, more, more, more different kinds of treatment spaces for uh, for people, as well as our efforts at separating people from the toxic drug supply through um, uh, more access to prescribed safe supply. That's important. So all of these pillars, uh, all of these pillars are important, and this is a commitment that our government made. We made it with a significant investment, a $500 million investment in 2021. I mean, we're continuing to, you know, to work with partners on the ground to build out these services. But I think it's really important to note that, you know, when we formed government in 2017, what we had really inherited was a, a collection of fragmented services. Um, there had been no, no, no concentrated effort to pull together a system of mental health and substance use uh, care and treatment and support. No effort made to really integrate that work into our healthcare system. And so that's the difficult work that we're doing now, is working on the ground with health authorities, with serv- community service providers, to really pull all of those services into uh, into our healthcare system, so that so that we we see mental health and substance use care is really part of primary health care. How do you define success when it comes to this three-year pilot project for decriminalization? People, some people may still be uncomfortable with it because it, it is not something we would have thought about 10, 15, 20 years ago. It is a different way to look at those who uh, are dealing with substance abuse. But it is a three-year pilot project. So how do you define success right. in regards to decriminalization? Well, there'll be a, um, there'll, you know, there'll, there'll be a number of measures, uh, a number of criteria that Health Canada is looking at that, um, uh, that, uh, that they will be working with the Canadian Institute for Health Information on, uh, on assessing uh, over the course of their very sort of in-depth research project that is, that is happening with respect to the pilot. But importantly, our core planning table, which has all of those partners I mentioned earlier, law enforcement, people with lived and living experience, uh, public health providers, municipalities, will be working with everyone who is on the front lines of this crisis to understand how decriminalization is rolling out and where we need to be responsive to that. And I think that was a commitment that Dr. Henry made yesterday at the announcement was that you know we, we will need to hear from people so that we can um, so that we can uh, you know be responsive as, as as it rolls out. But we'll be looking to see um, do does that interaction or are we are we making gaining ground on destigmatizing um, uh, the the situation that people who use drugs are in? Are they able to uh, reach out for care and support? Are they are there are there resource cards which are is the information that po- that police are going to be providing to people when they're in those encounters, which is about connecting them with to care and supports? Are people um, 
you know, up, taking up those, those opportunities? Are they connecting with the substance use navigators that we now have in health authorities who are people at the end of a phone when somebody calls? Uh, are, you know, are, are, are we seeing those numbers shift in terms of, the, um, in, in terms of people looking to access care and support? And how, are, how importantly, how, how are uh, police experiencing, how are frontline officers experiencing um, uh, this, uh, experiencing the, the, the work and their important contribution to trying to change the nature of that encounter from one that puts an individual on a sort of criminal justice path as opposed to putting them on a healthcare path. Final question to you. You know, I was reading about, obviously, today on the BBC website, Fox News is covering it, many other uh, jurisdictions around the world are covering it. It's not just a local conversation or a national one, but an inter- international one. As a minister, uh, what goes through your mind in regards to the enormity of this change and, and this pilot project, number one? More importantly, what do you say to taxpayers who are listening this, to this today and they say, look, well, I understand where the minister's coming from, but I'm very hesitant with you know making these drugs legal or a small personal personal amount they still are uncomfortable with it what do you say to those taxpayers well i, I want to say first and foremost that this is that it's important to remember that decriminalization isn't legalization what we have is an exemption from the enforcement of federal law that continues to be in place that continues to um, uh, to, to uh, you know to name uh, certain uh, certain areas as continuing to be criminal. So these drugs are not permitted on school grounds. They are not permitted by uh, to be um, carried or used by people who are um, who are younger than 18. They are there are certain other exemptions for people working in federal services. So I mean, the federal government has been very I think prudent in their approach to the parameters that they've placed around uh, around this pilot project recognizing that what we are trying to get at is those individuals who are carrying small amounts for personal use who may well have some, uh, a substance use issue that, that we need to try to uh, support them in, in addressing. So that's really the objection, uh, objective here, and it's about the stigma. And I really go back to um, Catherine Blotchford and her, her incredibly courageous um, presentation yesterday um, at, the, at the announcement for decriminalization uh, just about not only the stigma that her um, husband who died to a toxic drug poisoning, not only the stigma and fear that he must have felt, but how that carried on to her and her family and her children uh, and the, and the, the, the challenge, challenges that they've had in overcoming that. And I think we have to remember this is, this, this is our loved ones, our neighbors, people in our community, and we have to help. We, we have to step up and help and be there as a community for people. So today... I'm thinking about the 2,272 people who lost their years, their, their lives last year to the toxic drug crisis. Minister, thank you so much for your time today. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Jess. Take care.